let's begin. So, I, I admittedly, I was a bit uh, intimidated by this chapter only because I thought, what am I going to talk about? Right? And uh, yeah, I'll get to all that in a minute. But uh, what I grasped from it primarily is that uh, certainly the death of Sarah is significant in Scripture and certainly, certainly significant in Abraham's life. And I thought about all the times that I've had to deal with death, both of my mother, my father, grandfathers, and so forth, and friends, actually. Uh, so we all have to deal with death at some point in our lives, gentlemen. Uh, some deaths, right, so the passing of some, will bring us to our knees uh, in profound sorrow and loss at the death of a loved one, a spouse, right? Whereas others in some cases might elicit a moment, a pause, or even a sigh, like, you know, that, that's, that's a bummer, or that, that's sad that they die, but not much else. But regardless, uh, death always gives us, I think, as far as I'm concerned, a moment to pause and reflect. Okay? I'll be 50 in June. I'm not saying I'm knocking on death's door, but, uh, you know, but, you know, the, the way I've lived... <laughs> that's true but the way I've lived you know the way I've lived my life uh, let's just say uh, in a dietary fashion hasn't been all that good so I've, I've had to turn, turn things around the last few years and uh, God has been gracious but uh, I do think about it every now and then and, uh, and as, as I'll share with you later I've taken steps towards preparing for it again I know I'm only going to be 50 but you never know right uh, anyhow for the Christian my friends uh, death of a believer, of someone who you share the same faith with, uh, uh, is cause actually for celebration, right? When a brother or a sister goes home to the Lord, yeah, we're going to experience profound sorrow at the loss of this individual, but we know where they're going. And that sounds like a platitude, right? It sounds like a cliche, but it's not, okay? It, it's the absolute truth. Sure is, my friend. Um, so we are covered, uh, as I say, we will mourn. We will definitely mourn, uh, and there will be a time of lamentation, uh, certainly. Uh, but when that season of sadness is passed, then that, that time of joy and celebration ensues, right? When, when all the tears have dried, we say, you know what? They're better off than I am. And uh, I'm still here grading papers, and they're home free, right? <laughs> um, and we are covered uh, by the peace that the Lord has given us in the aftermath of a tragedy. That peace always comes upon us uh, shortly after. Um, and what it signifies is that we must also return to our obligation, to our daily duty as believers. In many cases, and it is often shown in the world, and we see it displayed, people carry mourning with them almost sometimes for the rest of their lives. And I'm not being callous. I'm not saying that we cannot mourn. We can we have remembrances and what have you. But for a lot of people, it never ends. And I think, I suspect that in many cases, those individuals are, are not believers. My mom passed away. Uh, but they, I have a Facebook page. And I have never once, on the, on the anniversary of her death, put something about it or said something about it. No one knows. As far as all my friends are concerned, right, my mom's still alive, right? But I don't put it out there. Whereas others, who I know are not believers, it's a day-long 
things, just constant. Yeah, and they're lamenting, and then they'll put up something about God, right, which they're not, you know, the next day they'll forget about. But uh, for the believer, we do mourn. We do acknowledge that loss. But it's also a call for us to return to our obligations, to, to take care of business. And that's what Abraham did after he mourned the death of his, his, uh, his wife. Um, and like I said, uh, we are definitely covered in that overall peace that the Lord gives us. And um, uh, this peace, as we know, uh, surpasses all understanding, Correct. Uh, and as it says, it will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. It's uh, Philippians 4, 7. So there is some, this is something that only the Christian is going to understand. When, when my mom passed uh, at, and I was at uh, Cal State LA, um, it was almost as if they wanted me to remain in perpetual mourning. You know, and weeks after people were, especially the secretary, she's a very nice lady, but she's um, the type of individual who clings to uh, religion, right, as as a, as a way of, of dealing with life, but doesn't have a relationship with God. And every time she saw me, she was all, mm. and at some point I said, you know what, thank you. I go, but my mom is in heaven now, you know, and uh, everything's great. Don't worry, I'm going to be fine. And she was a little taken aback by that, but equally, she's like, okay, got it, right? But in the world, they, every time they see us, like, mm. but here at Calvary, I had one weekend where everybody was just there. And then the next weekend, everybody knew. Millie, we know where Millie went, right? And so it wasn't a, a, like a, uh, this, this funeral dirge every weekend for weeks on end. Um, so we have that peace that surpasses understanding. Now, <clears throat> chapter 20 of Genesis records the death of Sarah and the selection of the burial plot. Uh, <clears throat> as dramatic scenes go, though, uh, this one is not very heavy with pathos or with emotion. Okay, there's uh, two verses and then the deal. You know, breaking down the deal, buying that piece of land or that plot, right? And so uh, as I read this, uh, I thought, okay, it's very, it's actually very businesslike in its presentation. Uh, so there's a legal aspect to it. This is a very binding contract that, that Abraham enters into. And admittedly, uh, <laughs> I thought, why did I choose this chapter? You know, these were chosen months ago, whoever, whoever else is in here was taught. And uh, as usual, I was caught up in my, my little world of, you know, grading essays and doing this. And when Tony asked me, can you teach? I said, well, sure, sure, no problem. Yeah. Like, what do you want to teach? What do you got? Okay, that looks good. And then I go, what the death of Sarah? There's nothing happening in that chapter. Why did I pick that one, right? <laughs> and I, th- I thought, okay. After verse 2, what am I going to teach on? I'm going to stretch verse 2 out right over 40 minutes. <laughs> then we'll wrap it up, boys. But seriously, I thought this is going to be a cozy 15 minutes, right? Okay. Well, there you go. And only two verses refer to the emotional response of Abraham. And then I thought, you know, as an English professor, that's unacceptable. Because everything I mute is emotional. Right? There's pathos in everything I read, Shakespeare or whatever, to my, my students. And I thought, I need a little more here. Give me some more, Lord. Right? But the Lord is in charge, and he knew better. And uh, God has a message for us in this chapter. Right? All 20 verses. Okay? Um, anyhow, uh, as, I'm, as, as I was approaching this chapter, I'm going to approach it from a personal perspective. Um, uh, it may not be that... Um, theological study of verse by verse. It just 
said, Lord, what do you, what do you have for me in this chapter? Uh, because admittedly, I didn't know how to handle the remaining 18 verses, but God has given me something here. And I think what he's trying to tell me is this is how I want you to deal with grief in a godly fashion. So that's what God has given me. And uh, uh, keep that in mind as we move through the chapter. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and read through it, gentlemen. And let's see. This is Genesis chapter 20. Okay, here we go. Uh, Genesis uh, 23, sorry. Yes. I uh, am the absent-minded professor all the time. My students are always going, didn't you mean page 47? Yes, that's what I meant. I was testing you and you all. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I should say that in class. That'll, That'll blow them away. All right, here we go. (laughs) So Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kerjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Your uh, bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold uh, from you this bury- his burial place, uh, uh, that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land of the sons of Heth. And he spoke to them, saying, if, uh, if it is your wish that I may bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me uh, the cave of Machpelah, uh, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give to me, uh, let him give it to me at full price as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron, dwelling among the sons of Heth, uh, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of the city, saying, No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field and cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you to bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself uh, down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered uh, Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver to Ephron, which had... um, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, uh, which was before uh, Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of, the, of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. All right. So 
And going back to the first two verses that I said earlier, this is the account of uh, Abraham dealing with the loss of Sarah. And in it, uh, I, I want to note, first of all, is that our faith as believers, my friends, uh, is certainly not to be based upon our feelings. Okay? Because our feelings change as the wind blows, right? If one day we're happy, the next we're sad. So it shouldn't be based upon our feelings, but it certainly should not be entirely divorced from our emotions. Okay, because we are human beings. We are going to mourn. We are going to, to uh, weep at times, right? So know that emotions will play a part. You're not an emotional Christian. Christian lacks on feelings. But when there is legitimate, uh, a legitimate time or reason to, to experience emotions, then they will, they will be there and they will be you know, in Christ. God will sustain you during those difficult times. Uh, So Sarah uh, uh, was 127 years old. And as I understand it, uh, uh, she she was the only woman. uh, She's uh, she's the only woman whose age and death and burial are mentioned. I I actually did not know that. But that's very interesting to me, given that she is the the mother, uh, the wife of the patriarch. And the, and the Hebrew people. So I can see the significance of that. Um, but Abraham came to mourn for Sarah. He, um, uh, he came from his own tent, and he, he took his station at the door of Sarah. So it's very, there was a protocol to be followed, so to speak, right? There was custom to be adhered to, and Abraham did that. Uh, we have our little uh, 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 ways of doing things. Uh, for the most part, for the Christian, I believe, it's usually a memorial of some sort, right? And then, but I've gone to plenty of Catholic funerals where it's a, it's a, a lot of uh, 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 pomp and circumstance and what have you, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of genuflecting, and, and so. <laughs> and then my friends always my, whenever I go, they always look at me like, "Why aren't you kneeling?" And I'm like, "I bow to no man." Right? No, I don't say that, but I, I but I don't kneel because. Well, I just don't. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, Abraham comes to mourn for Sarah, uh, and the mourning describes his conformity, right, to the customary usage uh, of sitting on the ground for a time uh, while weeping, and it indicates a nat- the, the weeping part indicates a natural outburst of his sorrow. Okay, now. I I was a crybaby when I was younger, and any little thing would set me off. But you know, as I got older and I became a man, as it were, um, I remember when my mother passed away. Um, I didn't cry as much as I thought I would. I mean, I, I wept, mind you, but I thought I'd be distraught. And but there was just I could. The funny thing was that I could not shoo away this feeling of joy. Okay, not that she was gone, but just that you know, mom's gonna be all right. You know. And I kept thinking, no, no, th- th- this isn't right. I-, I have to mourn. I have to be sad. I, if anything, I should be depressed. But it, it didn't come upon me. You know, it was, it was, and it's amazing how God works. If I wasn't a believer, then I, you know, obviously I wouldn't be here. But I certainly, certainly would probably be suffering or celebrating it on Facebook or something, right? As most of my friends do. Um, but uh, as we see Abraham here, he's following the protocol, and. I'm not sure if this correlates with the modern practice of what we call the viewing of the body, right? But I don't know about you guys, but I've always had an issue with viewing the body. 
you know, I don't like to do it. Uh, and I remember I did, my mother was, was cremated, but my father, um, I didn't go view his body. I didn't want to. I remember it all started back when I was in sixth grade and my grandfather going to his funeral and seeing his body. And I thought, I don't want to see that anymore. And I never, I don't go to the viewings. You know, I, some people frown upon that. Others are like, yeah, I don't go either, right? But I just never felt like I, I wanted to do that. Uh, but of course, Abraham and Sarah, they lived differently. They had different culture, of course. And they lived comfortably together for many years. And uh, unfortunately, however, death eventually parts those uh, whom nothing else can part. Okay? Death will part everybody. Everybody will see see death at some point. But Abraham's mourning for her, uh, he was truly mourning. Okay? This wasn't a show. This wasn't uh, any sort of uh, 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 act. He truly mourned for his wife. Um, he had performed the ceremonies of the mourning according to the custom of the time, and he sincerely lamented the loss of a good wife. Okay? Uh, and in our case, those of us who aren't married, that would be a mother, a father, whomever, right? Uh, uh, his sorrow was not counterfeit. It was real. And uh, I don't know why, but I, I'm reminded of, um, I think it was the television show Good Times in the 70s, right? And um, uh, they had this one recurring character. She was an elderly lady, and she would always show up at the funerals. And she, she would cry at the drop of a hat. So they'd say, you know, we are here to honor so-and-so. And she'd go, ah, she'd cry out loud, right? And then she'd say something silly like, he was a nice man. And then they'd say, you know, it turns out it was a woman that, who had passed away. And she'd go, oh. And then she'd cry again, right? That's insincere, right? But Abraham's mourning was sincere, right? It wasn't people just pretending to be sad at the loss of someone. Um, but Abraham came to her tent. He sat down by the corpse. He paid tribute with his tears. And as we know, tears are a tribute, right, to our deceased friends and families. You know, as we weep for them, it's always in sincerity, hopefully. And uh, we must not, however, and this is, this is the key right now to this first part, is that we must not, however, uh, uh, weep as those who have no hope. Huh? Uh, I've been to funerals where People have thrown themselves on coffins, you know, and they're carrying on. And it's really sad because they are sad. They're hurting that that person died. Uh, and um, But I've been to plenty of Christian funerals where it's very orderly. Everyone's just, all right, you know what? Don't worry. This person's going to be fine. They're in heaven now. That brother, that sister, whomever it is. But again, let us not uh, weep as those who have no hope because uh, we have a good hope through grace uh, concerning the person who's gone and ourselves knowing that we'll see them right? they're just gone for a bit we'll see them later right so that'll be awesome now Abraham lost a good good wife but he remained a good husband by ensuring a proper burial he took care of business at the end okay he didn't fall to pieces and lose everything he moved forward as we should. And again, I'm not trying to be callous, but certainly we do know that as men of God, right, as leaders in our homes or wherever we're at, we, we, we have a time for sorrow and then we move on. We have to continue to be that um, in that leadership position as men. Um, 
But of course, even the longest life will eventually come to a close. And that includes sinner and saint. Okay? Now, um, I'm thankful that death cannot part us from our union with Christ. Okay? Cannot part. Can't take that away. My, my, my salvation, my assurance of living eternally with the Lord cannot be taken away. But you know that from the moment we are born, we're on a death march. Okay? The clock is already ticking from the moment that we are born. Uh, there's no fountain of youth. Right? You can ask Ponce de Leon. There, there isn't one. Huh? He found out the hard way. And of course, there is no immortality pill or anything of that sort. Um, during our lifetimes, uh, you choose to live the, your life the way you want to, right? So in some cases during our lifetimes, some people eat well and exercise. Okay? Take care of themselves. Uh, work out and everything else whereas others and i'm guilty of this right um whereas others uh, are neglectful of their bodies which we shouldn't be in unfortunately hasten death right yeah <laughs> so uh, that's why i'm hoping you know now as i you know at the last minute trying to turn things around here but anyhow but one thing is certain that death will come to us all if I may give you an example, I have a, I had, I had a friend and colleague. His name is David Reyes. And we worked together at Toys R Us in the 80s. And we were just boys back in the 80s. And uh, we, reun- we ran into each other at, at uh, Cal State LA when I was hired. Um, he heard my voice and he actually remembered my voice. And he comes in and he goes, Andy, Andy Montana? Hey, how you doing? And so we, we caught up, and I explained to him how, what, what I was doing, what my life was like. And he was a very left-wing liberal professor. You know, he's what you'd expect from a, an English professor, right? But he never mocked me. Uh, I would tell him about Jesus and everything else, and he'd go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And he wouldn't want to commit. And then he'd quickly change the subject. But last fall, last September, he was walking to class, right? And he had a heart attack and died in the hallway. This went down. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, and that's partly why it kind of frightened me in the sense that we, he was only three years older than I am. But like me, he ate terribly. He was trying to get, do things better. He's taking the stairs more often and what have you. But he, he left. He was gone. And I thought, did, did I reach out to David? Because I know where he's at didn't know Jesus. And I know where he's at right now. And that just troubles me. And I shouldn't be that troubled by it because I, I did try to reach out to him. But the mourning for David was different. You know, I did mourn. I cried at the funeral when I was there and the tribute to him and everything else. But I wept mostly because I thought he's not in the arms of the Lord. There is no comfort for my dear friend David. And I love this guy. Neat guy. Just a great guy. But uh, so you can see death comes to everyone and how we deal with it, right? And everything else. So you might want to hold on loosely to everything that you possess in this world. Okay, We're not reckless with what we have, but hold on loosely. Um, because what we have is it's, it's a fleeting existence, my friends. And you need to know that there are far greater treasures that await you, right? Uh, in paradise with the Lord. That's going to be awesome. Note Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, and this will give us some perspective of how we live 
our lives. And we're pretty familiar with this, this passage. As it says, uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And now stay in tune to what God has for you. We, some of us are very successful. God has blessed you with a good job. Don't hold on too tight to that. You know? I mean, I've been very blessed. And I'm sure when I get married, then I'll, you know, I'll have to share my money with somebody. But right now, things are good. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, I try to hold on loosely as well. All right, to everything I have. Anyhow, but going back to our friend Abraham, the patriarchs died in faith of the promise, right, of paradise. They died in faith knowing that that would be uh, there for them. We as believers know that, again, death is but a transition uh, to the glory that is an eternity with our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Abraham indeed wept for his beloved Sarah. And we need to remember uh, that our when we weep, when we do experience tragedy in the form of, of the death of a loved one or a friend or whomever, uh, that it should be sincere. And our greatest example of that sincere grief when something like that is, of course, Jesus, right? And Lazarus, right? When, he, when they called him, you know, and in John chapter 11, verses 34 and 35, uh, Jesus said, where have you laid him? Right? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept, right? Our greatest example of, of godly grief. And then he moved on and he knew he had a mission. Wept for his friend, and then he moved on, right? All right. Uh, now, Sarah's death, moving on to the, the second portion, so dealing with godly grief, and then the moving on part, if you will. Sarah's death brought Abraham to a point of decision. He had to make a decision now as to where she, he would bury her. <clears throat> so, uh, Sarah, uh, uh, the main issue, however, is where would Abraham be buried? You see, they had to consider posterity and they had to consider legacy at this point, right? And ironically, he's in a land that eventually you know, he would uh, own. But uh, everything had to be done in, a, in an orderly fashion. And again, I think that what it speaks to me is in the event of tragedy, the easiest thing to do is to succumb to grief and to let things fall apart. But we have to, right? As men, and I'll say as leaders, move on from that difficulty. Not that we have hard hearts or anything like that, but we deal with tragedy as men and then we move on, right? And that is not to suggest that our wives and sisters and whomever are weaker in that sense, but we as the leaders, we as the men, certainly we must be prepared to move on, right? And hopefully if things are falling apart, restore order. That's the place that God has given us as men. Um, so, the main issue again was where where would Abraham be buried here? Now, when Abraham decided on the burial place for Sarah, he also again determined the place uh, of the burial of his descendants. Okay? Again, the legacy and posterity. Uh, Abraham approached the Hittites uh, to purchase a burial plot for himself and for his family and of course for Sarah. Now, uh, Abraham pr- petitioned the Hittites, as we've seen, uh, for a burial place and was compelled to buy a portion of the land that God had promised him. Right? That's 
paying for something you already own, right? When they were still in the future at that point. Uh, and of course, uh, he was to purchase the land from the people that God, again, was going to give into his hand. And I found that ironic, but I also know that's very sensible. God knows what he's doing. There's a reason why this chapter's here, why these verses were recorded. Okay? Uh, I, I was reading uh, some of the commentary on this on some other, uh, by some other people who have, who have taught it, and, and many have expressed that, that when it's done as a, as a topical, this is one of the least preached chapters. I guess people just avoid it for, I guess, for various reasons. And like I said, uh, if I had been paying attention, <laughs> I likely wouldn't have chosen it myself. But I'm glad I did. Now, God always blows my mind when I when I end up teaching the chapter. Um, anyhow, so what Abraham did was, of course, he rendered honor and respect to the sons of Heth, even though they were of the ungodly Canaanites. And uh, but the Bible does teach us to admonish us. It admonishes us to pay due respect to authority. You know, we're not anarchists here. We're not seeking to, to overthrow the world. We serve the Lord. And if he wants to come down and wipe everybody out, then we're right behind him. All right? But for now, we live in the world. I don't uh, rebel against my bosses. I don't, I don't leave, you know, all Christians unite on Cal State LA. And, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't serve any purpose to do that. Um, but, of course, again, we are admonished as believers to respect uh to provide, to pay due respect to all authority, however, without flattering these persons. Okay? So you're not, you know, a sycophant or a, a, a more, I can just use layman terms, a bootlicker, right? That's not your, that's not your place. You, you render respect, uh, nor do you condone any sort of ill behavior or even crimes that some of them, some of them who are above you might be uh, committing, right? These unworthy characters, we don't, we don't condone anything like that. And we kind of touched on that at the last Bible study, that conundrum, right? That, that paradox of when and not to how to deal with sin. But going back to Abraham, of course, it was not in pride that Abraham refused the gift of the plot. They wanted to give it to him, but it wasn't that it was pride. Um, uh, he was able to pay for the field, and therefore he wouldn't take advantage of Ephron's generosity. He says, no, no, no just tell me what I'm going to need to pay, and I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it. Uh, remember that honesty, my friends, as well as honor, uh, that's our witness to the non-believer. Okay? We must carry ourselves in that fashion. Um, honesty forbids us of taking advantage of our neighbor's generosity when it is granted to us. Uh, if I may provide another example, I'm dealing with a student right now who he, you're allowed to miss well, not allowed, but the limit of missing classes is five. Okay? Once you hit five, then I drop you. I get rid of you because you're not coming to class. This kid missed the first week of class. and But here's the deal. He, in December, he had written me saying, I'm going to miss the first week in class. But I wrote back and said, sorry, you're supposed to be here. I'm going to drop you. You need to be here for the first week. And I was, oh, that's so mean. But I have other kids knocking on the door. They want to get into the class as well. So I said, sorry. Then he writes me back. His cousin writes me. And um, I don't know why I did it, but I said, oh, okay, that's fine. And I let him into class. And he proceeded to miss five more classes after that. Seven. So then I wrote him a letter very politely. And then I, I wrote him an email saying, you know, you miss any more classes, I'm going to drop you. It's very clearly, you know, I have, for legal reasons, I have all those emails. And I told him, I said, I'm dropping you. And he wrote back very arrogantly that he had gone to admissions and they told him that he, 
I, he cannot drop me. I cannot drop him. You know, so he hopes that uh, his presence will not uh, cause any problems and that we can still have a relationship. And he was being real arrogant. I wanted to kill him. I really did, but he was not honest with himself. He was, he was, you know, thinking he got away with something, but, you know, in the end, he won't. I've spoken to the dean, and she says, you don't have to pass him. And he was in class on Monday, and I actually felt sorry for him, because he's just sitting there like, and he has no idea that (laughs) when he opens up his report card in, you know, in July, he's going to go, what? (laughs) He couldn't drop me. How could he flunk me? We'll see, you know. But we as believers, however, must deal honestly. And I hope that as I deal with my students and the, and the uh, faculty and so forth, that I'm representing the Lord, right, in all of my transactions. Uh, you know, never making promises I can't keep, never lying, never favoring students and such. So here is Abraham dealing honestly with Ephron. And uh, in verses 3 and 4, he, it says here... Um, then Abraham stood up from before uh, his dead and he spoke to the sons of Heth saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor, a sojourner, right, uh, among you. Give me property for a burial uh, place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. That's interesting, out of my sight. He's not going to live at the burial place, right? I'm going to bury Sarah and whomever else passes in my family. And then I'm, what, moving on. I've got to do what I've got to do. The Lord has a plan for me. Um, I don't, I haven't visited my dad's grave. Right? I love Bob Montana. I love my dad. Um, but I was always on his case because, you know, like I said, he was always going to Vegas. He was always smoking and then praise, praise the Lord. And then, you know, it just didn't work for me. And I was always on his case. But I've never, I haven't felt compelled to visit his grave. Yeah. And again, maybe that's just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm weird. I don't know. But, yeah, okay, we know that. that that's been established. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I wonder if, if my mother had been buried at a site, I think I probably would have visited her grave. You know, for altogether different reasons. You know, but uh, again, my dad is not there. And I pray that even though he had these peccadillos and these, these foibles, that he's in heaven, that the, 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 you know, the smoking didn't keep him out of heaven. I don't know, right? We'll find out. But uh, I just don't feel, you know, he's over there. I'm here now. Let's just move forward. But of course, I can't forget about it because again, as I said on my Facebook page, the other, he had other children whom I'm friends with and they remind me every single time. Oh, I miss Bob, and they have all these pictures. And there's pictures of me with him, you know. But I don't acknowledge it. That's right. Yeah. I'd rather put up something snarky, you know, than a picture of my dad. I don't know. That's just me. I'm weird. Anyhow, uh, so Abraham uh, requested of the sons of Heth to provide him with a place to bury Sarah, and he acknowledged <clears throat> that his problem uh, was his status as a stranger and a sojourner among them. Right, a visitor, even though again the land would eventually be his, he didn't throw his weight around. He says, I am but a visitor in this place, so would you help me bury my wife and give me some land so I can do that? You know, something I think sometimes too often as Christians, we do throw our weight around. You know, we have to be careful of that pride and that arrogance as believers and be be humble. 
Because it gets very easy if you get into an argument with somebody you start, you know, well, I'm a child of God and, you know, and everything else. So that's not going to happen. So we, I think we need to follow Abraham's example of, of being humble. Um, go to verses 5 through 9 just for a refresher. And he says, And the sons of heaven answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our, our burial places. None of us will, uh, will withhold it and withhold from you uh, uh, withhold from you his burial place that you may bury your dead. Uh, and then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land of the sons of Heth. And he spoke to them saying, it is, uh, if it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, that's the second time he says that, by the way, hear me and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, <coughs> uh, which, uh, which he has, which is at the end of the field. Let him give it to me at full price as property for a burial place among you. So Abraham, uh, again, was in need of a burial place for his wife. Uh, and he was a man of high status. They knew who he was. They knew that he was a man of God uh, and that he wouldn't be refused such a request. At some point, they were going to honor this request. It's just the details of the, of the deal uh, had to be worked out here. So uh, a- Abraham is acknowledged as a mighty prince and so forth, and the Canaanites recognized the hand of God upon Abraham, and they were inclined to treat him favorably. And there was no reason why they would not. Uh, <clears throat> so if Abraham wished the use of a burial place, anyone would gladly loan him the best uh, place they had. But considering, again, his legacy and, and, and posterity in that land, um, a borrowed grave was not acceptable to Abraham at this point. For Abraham, it was not acceptable, a borrowed grave. However, there's nothing wrong with a borrowed grave, as we know, Right? We know that because Jesus, our Lord Jesus, was laid in a borrowed grave. Yeah, but he only needed it for three days. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. So for Abraham, however, um, it was a question of posterity, right? Legacy in that land. So Abraham's desire, desired a permanent plot, again, not a borrowed tomb. Uh, and this land of Canaan would eventually be you know, his eventually. So consequently, Abraham petitioned Ephron to sell him the cave at Machpelah. And this would be the gift. Uh, this would not be a gift, but a purchase at the full value of the property. Okay? In many cases, uh, <clears throat> some people are very generous in some, some instances, right? In my case, um, and it's kind of a dopey example, but everyone knows I like comic books. Everyone knows that. And sometimes people give me comic books, you know, and... I feel bad. I'm like, well, at least let me pay you something for them. No, 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 no. And I'm not talking like two or three. I'm talking boxes or something, bags full of them. You know, like a hundred comic books or something. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I want you to have them. You know, and so I try as best I can. Here, take some. No, no, they refuse it. But you know, that might not be the best example. But certainly here, the, the issue of a plot, a burial plot, Abraham wasn't just going to go, okay, I can have it, Thanks. No, Abraham was a man of God, represented the Lord, right? So again, a little bit about how we deal with the world as well, right? Make sure we deal upright and honestly. You know, if, if it's our turn to pay, then we pay, all right, uh, in our dealings with the, with the world. Um, in verses 10 and 11, it says again, um, uh, Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and uh, 
uh, Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence uh, of the sons of Heth, all who entered the city gate at his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in my uh, that is in it. Uh, I give it to you in the presence of your of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead, he declares. And again, uh, Ephron, uh, Ephron was a city leader among the city leader. And this is his response to Abraham's request. Um, and initially, Abraham had only asked for the cave at the end of Ephron's field. But Ephron declared that deal was to include the field as well as the cave. And if we look very closely at the, the legal aspect, the trees as well. Yes, absolutely. This is a very legal and binding document or, or uh, agreement between these two uh, men. So as expected, uh, again, Abraham refused the offer of the gift, but did accept the sale, right, of the property. Uh, so the field uh, with the cave was sold to Abraham, um, and only the price needed to be agreed upon. And then in verses 14 through 20, well, we'll read it again, but uh, Ephron, Ephron persists in his offer to give Abraham the land uh, just free of charge or as a loan. Just, just take it. It's okay. But then at some point, as, you, as we saw a little later on, he places a monetary value on the property, right? 400 shekels. Uh, and... Uh, that was the value of the gift that was being offered. So Abraham paid the price. As soon as he heard, oh, 400 shekels, no problem. Wrote a check, boom, done, right? He's got the burial plot. And both men went their way uh, with what they had hoped for. Now, as was the custom, again, like I said, even the trees were included in the, in the deal for the property. A burial site was thus procured, and Abraham proceeded to lay his wife's body to rest. He mourned, and then he dealt with the, the the important info, yeah the important uh, uh, aspects following the what he had to do and he's moving on okay and again we will have time to mourn as men right and uh, make sure however that it's not debilitating you okay that it's not keeping you from doing other things uh, that you're not missing work as a result okay? my mother passed away the weekend before I I started my first class at Cal State LA. Now, I know for a fact, and I'm not being inconsiderate, that 95% of my colleagues would have not started. They would not have taught that day, the following Monday. I know they wouldn't have. But I talked to Virgie, I talked to uh, Henry, we, we, we prayed, and I was in class that Monday. I didn't break down, I just taught, and it was awesome, because my mom was very excited that I was going to teach. Didn't get to hear any of my stories, but, uh, you know, uh, she was very excited, and I thought, that's awesome, you know, that, that my mom, uh, uh, I can go there celebrating my mom's passing. And that was, that day, everyone was like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? You know, you should be home. And I said, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But I, every time I told them I was fine, they were like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, you, you should go lie down in your office. I don't need to lie down in my office. You need to lie down on your knees and pray. <laughs> you liberals, I thought. <laughs> no, I don't treat my, my, my liberal colleagues badly. I don't. I pray for them. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so Abraham dealt with the death of Sarah, and he dealt with it in a godly manner. Okay? He, he didn't cave into the grief. He truly... Uh, mourned for his wife, but of course he also was able to move on, take care of business, keep things moving forward. 
Um, last year, I began, and again, I know I'm 50, I got it. I'm not even 50, I'm 49 at the moment. But last year, I began making preparations <laughs> for my eventual demise. Now, the reason I did that is because, well, <laughs> I'm still single, right? I'm joking. No, no. If the Lord brings me a wife at 50, uh, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with that. You know, I, I don't have a problem. Yeah. You won't be able to make arrangements after you die. Okay, there you go. That's right. So I've begun to make uh, uh, preparations. And um, that way, if, if I should, you know, and again, this is all this, some of this is kind of morbid, but if I were to pass on, if I were to die before Henry or Virgie, right? My, my brother Henry or my sister Virginia, um, I don't want them to struggle to pay anything, you know? I don't want to leave them a, a financial burden. So I've already made preparations. I've, my, this is all paid off. Well, the organization that's going to dispose of my body and everything else. Um, the Lord's going to rise, raise me up anyway. Um, but I didn't want to leave them, and I didn't want to, again, to, to incur any, any, any um, uh, 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 financial problems uh, as a result of my passing. And then... This year, I haven't done it yet, and I'm working towards it. I get some time in the summer. I plan to write a, a detailed will now. Let's get my will done. You know, just be prepared. Uh, some would argue, oh, you know, it's, it's, no, I don't think it's ever too early, actually. I mean, I don't have much. There's not a lot there. You know. Poor Jonathan gets all those comic books. I don't know what he's going to do with them. I just sell them all at once. 50 bucks for the whole lot. That's what I would do. You know, just get them out of there. Do you have a question there? What's that? <laughs> okay, so anyhow, so I, I, I'll, I'll work on a will. And like I said, I feel that's a responsible thing to do. You know, just to be prepared and everything else. Um, uh, but know this, that when someone beloved to us passes on, especially if they're a believer, right? We, we have friends whom we care deeply for. We have friends who we've known for years, and they're not saved, right? But we love these people regardless we want them so we are that light and that witness to them but when someone beloved to us passes on and if they're a believer um guys deal with it but do not neglect your duties to those who remain okay you have responsibilities to continue and i'm an emotional guy and i think that's why i became an english teacher right because we cry at movies we read you know, of mice and men, and we cry in class with our students. Um, but equally, I know that I have to move on, and, and um, I couldn't have done it without the Lord, right? So we deal with grief, but then we also deal with the aftermath, take care of business, and we move on. Abraham's purchase of serial, uh, uh, Sarah's burial plot was an expression of his faith in God. It was in the land that God was going to give him, right? So he purchased it in faith. Let me give you a scripture, a set of scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. This is regarding Abraham and the others who died in faith. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off at the end of the field, right? Afar off. Uh, <clears throat> were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, as Abraham does here. For those who say such things declare, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called in my, uh, if they had called to mind uh, that country from which they had come out, they would have come 
they would have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly, right, country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, right? He has prepared a city for them. That's awesome. We live here on this wretched planet, and we've already seen politically how things are just falling apart. But we do not despair. Right? We do not fret. We know God is in charge, but we know that our homeland, the place where we will, that we want to dwell, is in heaven. Right? It's a better place waiting for us. But we do not neglect our duties in the midst of tragedy or whatever it is, uh, and our commitments here uh, as believers uh, on earth. So as Christians, remember we have a citizenship in two worlds. Not just one. We are, we are citizens of the United States of America, right? But we are also citizens of heaven at some point. Um, our inheritance, again, is in heaven. Uh, but we have these commitments, these obligations in this world. Uh, even when we experience tragedy, uh, whatever it is, even in the form of death. Um, this study tonight uh, may not have been, as I said, a textbook study of Genesis 23. You know, it's a verse-by-verse verse expository and there's history and everything else. That's not how I approached it. That's I felt the Lord wanted me to go a different direction. But uh, I hope that you were blessed by this and just was able to reach you in a different way, maybe a different take on, on Genesis 23. Um, when someone... in Someone in our life passes on. It should it should be viewed as an opportunity uh, for we as Christians to witness to the world. Okay, right? uh, we should always remember that. And I'll leave you with this: that what we say, what comes out of our mouth during those difficult times, is obviously of the most of the utmost importance. What they hear from us during those difficult moments. But do not forget, however, that what we do afterward is of equal importance, gentlemen. So we see Abraham's faith, it continues, right? Buries his wife, but trusts in God to find a place for her and for himself, and then moves on, right? All right, let's pray, gentlemen. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Again, we ask you for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord God, and I just thank you for these brothers who just bless me so much when I am with them, dear God. Help us, Lord God, as men to deal with the issues of life that we face, be they in the form of a tragedy or anything or financial, whatever it is, that we are, we are being leaders, Lord God, as brothers, uncles, husbands, and so forth, Father God, that we are, are out there. And then when we deal with the world, Lord God, uh, even if we're dealing with tragedy, uh, we are representing you and that we are faithful, we are strong, we are joyful, uh, even in the midst of tragedy, Lord. And so I thank you for these men, Lord. I pray you bless them, their homes, their, the roles that they have as, as leaders in their uh, respective uh, homes and such, Father, that you take good care of them. Uh, and I thank you, Father God. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, God. All right.